Join Ian Garvey as we uncover the hidden marketing stories that shape our world. Reveal the latest marketing tactics that will shape your future and the amazing people that grow organizations, movements, and businesses. Learn to grow your business and shape the world around you. Welcome to the Garlic Marketing Show with Ian Garlic. And yes, it's Ian, not Ian. That's marketing too. Welcome back to the Garlic Marketing Show. Ian Garlic here. And today I've got my very good friend, super marketing e-com genius. We're going to talk today about inventory optimization. I know that sounds kind of weird and boring, but if you're in e-commerce, it is a hot topic because it can affect your marketing budget and affect your sales and affect your reviews, affect your profitability. And in fact, he has one story where during COVID, one of their clients actually got to become the only coffee choice in their market because of inventory optimization. Uh, Fabricio Miranda from Fleeber, thank you very much for being on. Thanks, Ian. It's my pleasure. Yeah. And uh, Fabricio, you know, before we get into the inventory optimization and how all that stuff works, uh, let's get a little bit about your background because this isn't your first rodeo when it comes to e-commerce, is it? No, it's not. No, actually, actually, I'm from Brazil. I moved to the U.S. Um, in 2014. And, um, and I was running a hedge fund here in the U.S., uh, very happy when I met this guy opening an Amazon store. And at the time, I didn't know much about the segment. I'm not from retail. So um, I got intrigued about that, went out for a glass of wine. And in the very beginning of our meeting, this guy asked me, Fabricio, do you know how much percent of retail is online in the U.S., developed country? And thinking about Jeff Bezos, already one of the richest people on earth, Amazon, one of the biggest companies, um, and all these boxes coming to my house every single day. <laughs> I said, I don't know, maybe 35, 40%. And the guy said, eight. And on that day, I decided that I was going to join this revolution. I dropped my 11-year partnership with my partners at the hedge fund. And I decided to join him in opening an Amazon store. And that's how I started this segment. I mean, that's an amazing story. And it's crazy. And we'll get a little bit into how the pandemic and COVID affected those numbers, because obviously that's changed, but still not, nowhere near 100%. Um, <laughs> uh, but so tell me about when you first got into e-commerce and what type of, you know, what types of stores you were, you were an Amazon seller first. How, how was that? Yeah, so we decided to get together into this Amazon seller business. And um, we didn't know actually what to see, what we were going to see there. And uh, we just started, you know, I went to China multiple times to source products. And we started trying to apply a little bit of the technology uh, that we had from the past, from past businesses to that thought process and that decision-making process. And we were able to get to $10 million in the first year, which is a very good result for first year, put us at the time within the top 400 companies uh, in this Amazon space. But uh, actually what we were trying to do there is to try to understand how this market operates and how this new revolution uh, would shape out in the future. So our focus went very quickly from just having this business, which is still up, up to today, but going also to the service uh, side and I can talk more about that if it's interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. But I, you know, you talk about the service side, which is very, very interesting. And we're, you know, and, and doing that, but what I love is because I know your story really well. And, and so, uh, but I, it's how you changed your packaging. I think, and how yeah, you changed, okay. because right. it's really interesting how you changed how things were shipped yeah. because we don't think about that, but it was a huge deal back then. Yeah. 
So yeah, we started this business not knowing anything about retail. So I was completely green. And I think that was to my advantage in the end of the day, because I was able to think outside the box because I didn't know there was a box. Right. Uh, so um, by operating the business, I understood that one of the biggest points of cost that we had was fulfillment. And fulfillment was directly related to the size of the packages, size and weight of packages. So I understood that changing the size of the package. So, for example, we had an Addison bulb. Addison bulb is one of those light bulbs with those apparent filaments that use for decorations. Um, and this company is still a bestseller of Addison bulbs up to today. Uh, and that product comes in a pack of six bulbs. And we had a package of a certain size. I don't remember exactly what was the size, but it was just enough to trigger the next tier of cost. So I understood if we reduced in like 0.2 inches or something like that, very small uh, reduction, uh, we would reduce in 38 cents each one of the, the fulfillment costs of each one of the packages. And this wow. 38 cents per package in the end of the year, it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars because of the quantity that we sold of the product. So it's, uh, it's this kind of thing that we understood that was necessary. So it's a bunch of different things. That, that is one of them. So I remember myself sitting on the floor of a pet manufacturer, pet product manufacturer uh, in China, and, and he was bringing our products in, in the boxes, and I was opening all the boxes, and, and I was literally like cutting the boxes and trying to put the product in a smaller box. And we did that with all of our products. So for example, bath mats, if you go to Walmart, for example, to buy a bath mat, you're going to see bath mats hanging on a hanger, right? And they're going to be like all, all so the, 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 the total volume of the bath mat is going to be much bigger than what Amazon considers as their standard size. So how do you, how do you fold that without, without bringing a problem to the item? Uh, so there's a bunch of things you can roll it or you can fold it or you can use vacuum to reduce the volume. So all of those things for over four years ago were not very normal to be done. And we were trying to do that to make more money and make better margins in the end of the day. And those were the things that allowed us to, you know, to grow in the segment. And, you know, before we get into like the actual, like when you discovered how to start talking about optimizing inventory and marketing, you know, we've never talked about this before, but how, you know, you start thinking about packaging and packaging is part of the experience of opening something up. How did you balance that? How did you figure that out to make sure it was a good experience still while maximizing your 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 uh, costs? Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something that today, uh, living the world outside of Amazon, I understand a lot what you're saying. But in the Amazon world where you're, at least at that time, where you were selling commoditized products, I was selling a bath mat or a light bulb, uh, it's not much about the experience. It's much more about, is that product coming in a good quality and is it coming to me cheap? Is it the cheapest product possible I, I can buy in that category? So it's another mindset. If you are selling a product that has a brand behind it that, that you need to have an experience like these AirPods that I'm wearing or, or anything that, or a computer or anything else, uh, yeah, that is very important. But for commoditized products, what you want to do is to reduce as much as possible the cost to the final client because that's the biggest thing that the client is going to think about at the time. So you're doing a commoditized product. You, you all are growing fast. Why did you switch over? Why did, you, why did you switch over to the service side of it? And how did you do that? Yeah. Um, so everybody that opens a store, uh, any kind of store that, to sell any kind of product, especially products that you manufacture, right? That are your branded products. Uh, they do that because they're passionate about creating a brand 
uh, marketing, sales, and all of those things. And when you start operating the, the, the store, the day-to-day -day business, you'll see that your time is all tied to multiple different things that almost none of them are related to that. So at the end of the day, I was spending 80% of my time talking to suppliers and, and, and talking to freight forwarders and trucking companies and trying to open cases on, on Amazon uh, or trying to rebalance the marketing campaigns, which was very burdensome. Uh, so all of those things were not the glamorous uh, thing that I, that I signed up for, right? And I, 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 me and my partners at the time, we understood that that was the problem with everyone else. So everyone else was spending a lot more time with tedious tasks than they were spending with uh, what they love doing and the reason why they started the company. So it made a lot of sense for us to start building uh, service uh, tools uh, to be able to release them from doing those tedious tasks uh, and at the same time add a lot more value than they would have by doing that manually, right? And that's how it all started. And it's in the end of the day, that segment four and a half years ago was very, very amateur. Today, you see much better tools. You see much better people around it. You see big companies like Trezio, like for example, it's a huge company already in the segment. At that time, there was nothing like that. All the tools were very amateur and and, and we, we understood that there was an opportunity there. And so, yeah, and then, so you moved over then into the idea of inventory optimization. Let's talk a little bit about what that is and how did you discover it? Yeah. So uh, the path, the, the full path was uh, we started a, a lending business and uh, uh, that was the first business. And the, the thesis here is that uh, you have everybody in retail needs capital. That's a capital intensive business, long capital cycles. And most people in the segment, especially Amazon segment, didn't have access to the formal uh, traditional lines of credit. Uh, and there was an opportunity here. So we opened this first company in this segment. Then uh, a few months later, probably six months later, we understood that advertising was going to be big. And also a lot of the time was spent in dealing with advertising and programming the spreadsheets and downloading information, matching information. So we created an advertising uh, company also. It's an autonomous advertising platform. And then you know, by understanding that 80% of my time was spent with inventory. And also, if you think about it, in online retail, everything goes digital. So sales are digital, advertising is digital, uh, the, even the customer is digital, they don't see the customer, right? The customer relationship is digital, everything is digital. The only physical thing is inventory. So all of my problems, and, and in the end of the day, when I was trying to measure my margin, and I was looking at why I wasn't making the margin I wanted, everything came back to inventory. And I saw that this is going to be, it's already after COVID, you know, especially, but even without COVID, it would still be the main problem in retail to be solved. And um, now, you know, I can be talking here forever about this uh, because there's so many reasons why inventory is the, the hot subject at, in, at this moment. But uh, yeah, but that's it. It affects, mar marketing affects inventory. And I mean, most people think of, especially when you first get in e-commerce, you think, just sell, 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 and the more money you can dump into it, sell, 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 sell. But th that's not the best idea, is it? No, not at all. Actually, if you think about the history of retail, uh, you had those gatekeepers, those big retailing companies like Walmart, Target, and Kohl's, and all these big companies. And the brand, they were reacting to whatever Walmart and, and all those uh, uh, gatekeepers would ask them to send to them, right? So the inventory side of things were, was, deal, was dealt by 
the, the big retailing companies, uh, not by the brands. When you go D2C, when you go online, it's all about brands going directly to the final client. So now brands are the ones responsible for their own uh, inventory, but brands are not used to that. Brands are used to creating their products and doing marketing and doing all of that and, and outsourcing that complexity of inventory to those big retailing companies. So for the first time in history, you have the two at the same time happening at the same time, but they are still working completely separate uh, in all the companies. So all of our clients, when, we, when they first start and we ask them about how they operate their marketing sales and how they operate their supply chain operations, it's two separate areas and one is blind to the other. And it's a, a game where the sales side is trying to push products, push products, push products, and the supply chain side is trying to play the catch-up game of, hey, how can I have that, that many products available? And uh, it's a lose-lose because you're investing more in selling and you're investing more in trying to bring by air or trying to do things, creative things to be able to bring those products on time for you to sell. And at the end of the day, you're making a much smaller margin than you should if you aligned and synchronized both. It makes sense. But also, you know, what's the dollar value of that? Where, you know, when you see, because now you're seeing a lot of data, Fleabird does this, and we'll talk a little bit more about Fleabird in a second, but now you're starting to see a lot of data. And I want to get into that coffee example, but overall, what's the average dollar that someone can help, you can help someone increase by doing this? Yeah, so statistics says that uh, around 8.7% of all the sales are lost uh, due to stockouts and overstocks. So wow. only stockouts and overstocks uh, represent $1.7 trillion in losses in global retail. Uh, so that's the dollar amount if you want if you want a direct answer. It's $1.7 trillion that are being lost due to this mismanagement of inventory. And wow. if you think, like, let's say that you have a thousand items in stock, and let's say that you're selling these thousand items at a hundred uh, items per day pace, and you're going to have 10 days of stock that way. Uh, but your next batch will only arrive 20 days from today. So you have 10 days of stock out bet between the moment that you stop between today and the next batch that, that will arrive, right? And since you're blind to the fact that you are going to run out of stock, most of the times so people don't have that real-time vision. What happens is that you were pumping advertising, you were doing promotions, you're, and you're doing everything you can to be able to continue selling at 100 unit per day pace. But that's not the ideal anymore because now you're going to run out of stock and run any online retail that's really, really serious because while in traditional retail, if you go to a Walmart and you don't see the product that you want to purchase, if you want to purchase that product, you have to get your car and drive somewhere else to get the car. So maybe you're just going to get the competitor, right? And you just buy whatever is in Walmart. And whenever the product goes back in stock, it's going to be on the same, same shelf and you're going to go there and you're going to buy it. In online retail, you're one click away from going somewhere else to buy uh, the product somewhere else. Uh, and more than that, uh, when you do that, it's so much easier for the, your, your client to now shopping two places instead of one because it's just one click away, right? So you don't want to give that, the competitor that advantage. And if you're selling on Amazon or any other marketplace where you have rankings, algorithm for rankings, you're going to go down the ranking if you run out of stock. So it's a, it's a terrible idea. So when you reduce your sales by reducing advertising spend or increasing price, you're making more margin and you're selling the same 1,000 units and you're not suffering, at, at least not as much as you if you were out of stock, 
suffering the problem of giving your uh, competitors, uh, you know, an opportunity to get your market. And yeah, and you have a client that did the opposite. You know, I, it's interesting. And there's a story that I have because I interviewed a coffee company that is a famous coffee company that went, I almost went out of business because they got such a flood of orders and couldn't, couldn't get them out. And then they lost all their Amazon rankings. They lost, uh, they lost a lot of clients. They had a lot of unhappy customers. We never think of going out of business from getting too much business, do we? Exactly. Yeah. So in the end of the day, that's the secret. People have to understand that the synchronization between uh, inventory availability and sales space is the secret. You're, you should always try to have an inventory of what you want to sell, and you should always sell what you have in inventory. So it's two levers, actually, that you have to manage all the time. It's inventory and sales. They run together. They should be synchronized so that those things don't happen. And yeah, and there's a lot of complexity to it. And, you know, I've, I've looked at the software and it's super, like, it's crazy. And it, it, it's so much fun too, because it's like, you can go like, what if I do this? And what if I do that? And, and, and predict it. But I mean, I think the best use, the best story that you have that I've heard recently is the one of the coffee company during COVID. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, sure. It's another coffee company, by the way, not the one that you, that you were mentioning that ran out of it, almost ran out of business. So uh, they had a very positive thing going on for them because what happened was um, in our system, we're always showing you uh, what you should purchase or transfer at any given time to any of your warehouses uh, or fulfillment centers. But we're also showing you whenever you cannot do that and, and you have to activate the sales lever, right? So now you're either overstocked and we're going to show you that you're overstocked uh, so that you can, for example, prioritize promotions for those products or you're, you have an, an out-of-stock risk, uh, and we're going to show you that and so that you can reduce advertising, increase price. And we even show you what is the ideal sales space that you have to have of that product up to the moment that, that the next batch arrives. So what happened with this company, who has been a client of ours since you know, two, year, two years ago, um, they, during COVID, our system started identifying the pickup in sales. So sales started accelerating, because if you think about coffee, you usually buy coffee at a grocery store. Uh, people don't buy coffee online. But suddenly came COVID and everybody was buying coffee online from one day to the other, right? So they couldn't go to grocery stores. So sales picked up a lot, like very grew a lot during the, that, that moment. And our system started, which is based on predictions, started understanding, hey, my God, you're, you're selling a lot more than we initially envisioned. And we're not going to be able to fulfill the products anymore before you run out of stock. But we gave that to the company, that, that information goes to the company well in advance, much before any other uh, company who doesn't have such an intelligent system can have that information. So very in the very start of COVID, they understood that. They reduced advertising. They increased the price of the product. And, and on, on, in parallel, all their competitors were selling, selling, selling like crazy, continue to do advertising, lower margins, and selling like crazy. And suddenly, all of them are out of stock. And they are, this company is the only one who is in stock uh, of products and they can just sell the products at whatever price they, they want. So they went from $2.5 million in sales to $6.5 million in sales in you know 12 months or a little over 12 months wow. uh, because of that, because of that. And, and once, and that the beauty of it, and especially on Amazon is that now you're on top of the ranking and nobody takes you out of the top of, of the ranking because it's a it's a, a flywheel, it's a virtual cycle, right? You're on top of the ranking, you sell more, you sell more, you get more reviews. Because of more reviews, you're more on top of the ranking. So 
that that is 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 the dynamics. So this company is selling like crazy up to today, and and obviously very happy with Libra. That's it's such a cool story. And I mean, I'm sure a lot of those companies that didn't do this, they started to get bad reviews, didn't they? Because exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't fulfill. The coffee didn't come. They're marketing it. Someone clicks on it, buys it, doesn't get their coffee, and. I mean, you talk about upset people. If you're not getting your coffee during COVID and you can't go out oh. and get it, I can only imagine the bad reviews at, at 7 a.m. Yeah. yeah, totally, <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you all do this because it's this is a little technical, but how do you figure this out? Because it's it's not just simply like, oh, it's it's in a warehouse. I count how many is there and then I go, okay, I'm going to sell this many, right? It's There's a, a lot of complexity to it. Yeah, there is. And that that's good and bad at the same time, right? Uh, bad because it's very complex to set up the system that we that we set up. And very complex. It took us, we are VC backed, uh, millions of dollars in investment. We have a big team and we have to have the good, the right vision, right team and right capital structure to be able to do that. The good news is that when, once you do that, it's very hard for other people to do the same, especially, you know, uh, at the level that we're doing. So um, a lot of that is based on predictions. But here I want to say just a caveat. Uh, a lot of people think that the solution for stock outs over stocks or anything else in retail relates to forecasting. In the end of the day, it's impossible. If you think about the lead times, which is the moment that you define that you need to purchase something until the moment that you actually have that something in inventory to sell, lead times are huge in retail. You're usually producing things you know, uh, uh, overseas and you have vessels involved, you have trucks and warehouses, and it takes three months between the moment that you define that you need something to the moment that you're selling that something. So in three months, it's impossible to predict anything with a high accuracy. Our system is around 84% accurate for three months. And this is amazing as a result, but it's still 16% inaccurate, right? And yeah. how do you do that? And, and just, just so that you know how amazing it is, weather, for example, weather forecast is only 80% accurate for seven days. Our system is 84% accurate for 90 days. So it's a, it's, it's a huge achievement that we had. And that's for on average. You have products that you can be more accurate and products that you can be less accurate. But in the end of the day, you're going to be off many times. So what is the solution? The solution is for you to be able to understand in advance when things are changing, when things are not according to what you plan, and having what we call the next best action. So what is the next best action with the set of data that I have today? And two days from today, the next best action might be different. And our system is going to tell you what is the new next best action that you have based on the new set of data that you have. And so that you're always managing these levers, the inventory sales lever all the time, so that you're keeping the right balance between sales margin and inventory availability. That's amazing, obviously. And it changes the way people think about e-commerce. And you know, when you do this, when you start to think this way, I mean, as, as an e-commerce owner yourself, how does that affect how you run your business? I mean, obviously it affects how you predict and how much you order, but from a mental standpoint, it obviously gives you a lot more confidence, doesn't it? Uh, the first thing that is great is that you start having visibility, right? So a lot of people use forecasting like in you know, a spreadsheet and they do an average of the last whatever days. Uh, if they're very sophisticated, they're going to get like a, some kind of seasonality ratio and they're going to apply that over the three months between October and December 
And, um, and that is just, you know, a couple cells on an Excel spreadsheet. When you open our system and you see a chart with your past sales and your future sales on the same chart, you can easily see things that are off or things that are on, things that are correct and correct. You can easily understand different patterns. So the visibility of the forecast, now the visibility of what you need to order. Our system has everything. All the calculations are going to be done automatically. And we're showing you what product you need to order on any given day, what quantity you need, what is the coverage period, which is when are you going to sell those units effectively? When do you need to deliver it? What is the ideal destination? So all of those things, they give you visibility. So that's the first thing that brings a, a peace of mind because now you, you feel that you have a lot more control than you had before. So even if you disagree with anything that is in the system, at least you have the visibility to see that you disagree with that, right? And that is, that is an, an amazing added value that I usually tell our clients, you know, our forecast is going to be off for some products. Of course it is, uh, especially products that are very hard to predict that, that, have very, that vary a lot, the sales, and they don't have a, a pattern. There's no algorithm in the world that will, will understand how they're going to sell. But you can first, you can adjust it manually to your taste. And second, at least you're seeing that and you're seeing the, the, the recommendations. So the visibility is a big, huge aspect in terms of bringing peace of mind to retailers. And then the next thing is we reduce so much the margin of errors because there's a machine calculating things and there's no importing data and, and copying, pasting and, and you know, doing programming formulas. So it's a tested system, hundreds of clients and everything happening uh, uh, automatically for all those products. Over, we have over 200 products, uh, 200,000 products, I'm sorry, running in, in the platform. I think it's 260,000 products today running the platform. So it's a lot of products. You, you have the peace of mind that things are working, right? So that's, that's a great thing for you. Wow, that's a lot, I mean, that's a lot of products. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so how, like, tell me a little bit about Fleeber, how you all work, how does, you know, who's it's perfect for, how do you get set up? So the first thing, we're a SaaS company, software as a service company. So it's a subscription business and it has seven tiers and you start with us. It's very simple. When you, when you sign up, you have an onboarding process. This onboarding process may take from 24 to 24 hours to two weeks, depending on the speed that you provide the information that we need. But we connect to your sales channels. We have a, an API-based system. So if you have an ERP or anything that you want to connect to our system, we can do that too. And we collect all the information from uh, these channels and we onboard you into the tool. And once you're onboarded, uh, everything is happening you know, naturally in real time. And you're the one managing things. We have a customer success team to operate on the back end so that you know, we support you. We hold, hold hands with you whenever you need. And, uh, and, you know, in the first cycle, which is this first three months that you're starting to place orders based on, on what Fleeber is, is, is suggesting, you already have benefits uh, out of it. And if you think about longer term, like six months, one year, you know, end up not being able to live without it because going back to spreadsheets is impossible. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, this has been fantastic, Fabricio. Thank you so much. Um, and so it, we just go to Fleeber.com and you've got a, a lot of information on your YouTube channel. We'll put some information below on stockouts, preventing them, you know, the, all the rights of being a successful e-commerce store. Uh, but if someone wants to follow you, where's the best place to follow Fabrizio Miranda? Yeah, so I'm an old school guy. So I'm a Facebook kind of guy. 
and you can follow Fleaver on Facebook. I, we, we post a lot of things there. Uh, I'm also very active on LinkedIn, uh, so we can follow, you can follow us there. I'm not yet, I'm, I have a Twitter account, but I confess that I'm not as modern uh, as most people tweeting. I have to get there, maybe someday. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> but you're active on YouTube and you're active in a lot of other places and tons of amazing information. Mauricio, yeah. thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks a lot, Ian. It was a great pleasure, as usual. You know, you've become a person that I trust a lot, and, and it's always great when we talk. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot. And thank you all for taking Fabricio and I on your journey. Make sure to check out Fleabur, especially, I mean, obviously, if you're growing an e-commerce store, it's a no-brainer. And uh, make sure to go and follow him on YouTube and say you saw him here. Thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you soon. Video. You know what will make you an authority? you know it will get you more leads, better leads that close faster and spend more with you. And video stories will help you be remembered and connect with those perfect clients. The problem is, where do you start? Storycruise.com is the place to go. It's like a film crew with an S. What's your strategy? Do you do it yourself? Do you hire a videographer, an agency? Do you need an editor? How do you know if they really know your business and how to make videos for business that work? The answer to all of this and more can be found at storycruise.com. It is the place to find the latest video marketing strategies, the best gear for your business, as well as videographers, editors, and agencies near you that are trained in video storytelling for business. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get special insider info for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show, including special access to several of my courses, including my case story course. Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get a whole bunch of special offers just for listeners of the Garlic Marketing Show. Whether you're looking for a videographer or to do it yourself, Go to storycruise.com slash garlic to get started today. That's it for the Garlic Marketing Show. If you want to get the inside scoop and the latest techniques, make sure to follow Ian Garlic on Facebook.